Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season four, we're talking all about inspirational travel stories. Let's get started. Welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Cindy Sheehan. And this is the perfect episode for any of you who might be thinking, oh, I wish I did this when I was younger. I'm too old. I would, but I can't. Because at the age of 56, Cindy quit her job that she actually really liked, put on a backpack, and started traveling the world full-time. And now she's hoping to inspire other women of any age to be adventurous and take a chance to follow their dreams. So back in 2017, Cindy realized she wasn't getting any younger, and the time was right. If not now, when? So she quit her job and started traveling. So five plus years later, she's been to 38 countries, mostly solo, such as Turkey, Madagascar, Sri Lanka, Georgia, France, Italy, Macedonia, over 400 cities and towns, countless hostels and homestays, hikes and treks all over the world, including the Portuguese Camino. Along the way, she's flown in a hot air balloon over Cappadocia, Turkey. She was a caretaker at a haunted villa in Tuscany. She's paraglided over burial sites in Madagascar, worked in a vineyard in New Zealand, and met a French paraglider on Tinder while in Nepal trekking. And we get more into that in the episode. So Cindy's moved to Portugal as of October 22 and is now living in Porto. She's written for a women's travel group called She Hit Refresh. She's been featured in the Point Sky and the New York Times and has been a panelist on Digital Nomad Online Summit. And she has four amazing grown kids and one grandson and another grandbaby on the way. They all live in Colorado and support admire and join her when they are able to and they're her biggest cheerleaders in this crazy adventure so without further ado you're gonna love this episode cindy is just a light and she has so much insight here we go before we dive in this season's episodes will come to you uninterrupted and ad-free i know that you'll be inspired by the stories you hear this season and if you need help taking the leap yourself I encourage you to check out the resources listed in the show notes or visit my website, www.travelshifters.com. Whether you are seeking a remote job, a career break, or pursuing a different travel possibility, there are resources and services for every budget, including free. If you have any questions, my DMs are always open at the Travel Shifters. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I have a fantastic guest for you today. And so I'm going to let her introduce herself. Cindy, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here because the thing that I like most is talking about travel. So you'll probably have to stop me because I'll just keep going. It's just something that totally lights me up. Amazing. So 
About me, let's see. I had just a normal, traditional kind of life up until I didn't. And I was born and raised in Chicago, moved to Colorado when my kids were small. I have four kids. And we moved there when they were all under the age of eight, just for a better quality of life. And absolutely 100 million percent found it and lived in the foothills of Colorado for a long time. And that's where I was. I was a realtor. And when the market crashed, I switched gears and started doing training to real estate agents, actually on software. And that was really fun. And I got to travel all over the state, training people all over Colorado. Then I kind of got tired of that. And I found a better, way cooler job working for a national property management company based in Denver. And I was a national trainer. So what that meant was that I got to hop on a plane twice a month and fly to really cool places like Seattle and Portland and Boston and Austin and to Nashville and to Orlando and Washington, D.C. And I was on the company Nichols. So I was staying in nice hotels and having a nice per diem and just having a blast, an absolute blast. I loved it. And my team was fabulous. I loved them. They were my work family and they were awesome. And in the meantime, I was starting to realize that I needed to get a divorce. I had been married for almost 30 years and it was just, you know, it was just chugging to the end. It was like a train that was running out of steam for me anyway. He certainly didn't understand that at all. But I decided to go on this big hike with my cousin who asked me to go on a 12-day hike in Ireland. And it was a backpacking thing, and I had never done anything like it. And she said, I asked you because I know that you're crazy enough to say yes. (laughs) So, of course, I said, okay. So, we did this hike, but before we did it, I started planning to go to Ireland. And I thought, oh, well, I mean, if I'm going to be in Ireland, maybe I should go to Italy first. It's right there, you know? So, I made plans to meet a friend in Italy. And then, oh, well, maybe after Ireland, I should just go to Greece because wouldn't that be cool? And then I just started planning and planning and all of a sudden this trip became three months instead of three weeks. And I was like, oh shoot, now what do I do? So I went into my office at work and I said, hey, listen, I need to quit. I have some stuff to do. And they were kind enough to give me a sabbatical and let me just go do my thing, get it out of my system. And they held my job for me, which was an absolute gift. I mean, I'll never forget that. It was so amazing. They were so lovely. So I went on this trip and after the front end of Italy and then the back end of Greece were finished, I still had about eight weeks left. And so I started doing solo travel, which can I just tell you, I was 55. Now business travel is totally different because you're on a schedule and you have to go work and you know, you're staying in a really nice hotel. So it's not that rough to do solo travel that way. So I just thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to just try it and see what it's like. And it was funny because I have zero. When I tell you zero, like negative zero sense of direction. I am just, I scare myself. I really do. And when my friend was leaving me in Greece, she looked at me and she said, Cynthia, I'm really scared for you. And I said, no, I can do this. I'm going to be okay. And she said, no, no, no you don't know left from right. Like, I don't know how this is going to work for you. And I was like, ah, it's fine. And I got on a plane and went to Lisbon. And that was the first place I went solo. 
After Portugal, I went to Morocco. After that, I went to Spain. And then I came back home to my job. And I think I started crying for like a year. It's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't come into work. And I can't. There's too much of the world out there to see. And there's too many cool things and so many nice people and food and wine. And oh my gosh, just things to see and do. And I really, I was just walking around in tears for months. Finally, I thought, okay, I need to make a plan because this is not sustainable. In the meantime, my divorce was going through and that was all happening and I had moved out. And so there were a lot of big changes and my kids were out of the house and all that. So the big trip in Ireland was in the end of 2016. I spent the next year of 2017 just trying to figure out how to make it work, how to get out the door and stay gone and not come back until I wanted to, you know, to travel for more than two weeks, like we all do as Americans. You know, it's like, oh, I have two weeks off. I want to go to seven countries in 10 days. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to live it. I want to be in it. So I just sort of figured out some stuff and looked at the money that I got from my divorce, which wasn't a lot. But I thought, you know, I think I can live on this overseas a whole lot better than I can live on this here in Denver, for sure. And so, so I did. I went back into my boss's office and I said, yeah, I'm here to quit. She said, damn it, I knew, it. I knew we were going to do that. <laughs> she said, I, I knew you weren't happy here and we wish you well. And if you ever want to come back, of course you're welcome to. So I headed out the door on Christmas Day in 2017. So I went to Laos and Cambodia, Vietnam by myself. And oh my gosh, I have to say I totally rocked it. I mean, it was not hard and it was not scary. I won't say that I didn't get lost because of course I get lost. You know, I get lost going in the grocery store, let's be honest. But it was a fun loss and I never panicked. I always thought, well, if I really, really don't know where I am, I can always take a taxi and go back to my hospital wasn't really that scary to me. So I did that. And then I went to Nepal. And while I was in Nepal, I was on Tinder and I met a guy. And that was five years ago this week. And so we've been together on and off. Well, I shouldn't say on and off. We're together, but we're just never always in the same place because he lives in France and I live now in Portugal. But yeah, we've traveled all over together and just had a blast. And I kept going from there after I met him and went to Bali and Singapore and Malaysia all on my own. And then I headed back home for a hot minute and did some laundry. And then I I had a two-month gig in Tuscany as a caretaker of a haunted Italian villa. Oh, my goodness. I know. It was nuts. My friends were like, are you you kidding me? Like, this is real? (laughs) And after that, I just kept going some more. I went to Turkey and... And it really hasn't stopped. So it's been pretty much nonstop. And I've gone to some crazy, crazy places alone, also with the French guy, and sometimes with friends who will pop in and out for a bit for what they can spare with their jobs. You know, it's kind of hard because everybody still works. And so that would be definitely one of my pieces of advice to everybody. Go travel by yourself because you don't have to wait for other people and their schedules and their budgets and their weddings and their graduations. And, oh, I can't go because we're having a baby. And, oh, I can't go because 
X, Y, Z. It's like if you travel by yourself, you just have to rely on yourself. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So there is so much there and we're going to unpack it piece by piece before moving forward. (laughs) Okay. So first I want to just go back to one of the first things you said was that you spoke to your employer and they gave you a sabbatical. And I like to draw attention to that because sometimes you just have to ask. Well, I went in there fully expecting to quit. I mean, I was giving my notice. But what they said to me, and it makes a bunch of sense, by the time I left and came back, they would have had to post the job, interview for the job, train for the job. And let's be real, I'm amazing. They were not going to get someone like me back again. And they knew that. So they were like, you know what? We kind of like you. I mean, clearly, if your company doesn't like you, they're not going to do that. They just kind of said, you know what? This is not normal for us, but we really like you. So go and do your thing. And I have to say, they even made sure to pay my medical insurance while I was gone, which was amazing. I just really, I don't want to say I lucked out because I deserved it. And I hate to say things are lucky when you feel like, no, I I made that happen. But they were definitely very good to me, for sure. Absolutely. A similar thing happened to me as well. And so it's important to note, there are possibilities out there outside of what you just expect. So if you want something, it can work out even better than you expected. You never know. Yeah, I think you just have to ask. Exactly. If you don't ask, <laughs> I just want to be clear, they didn't pay me. I mean, I wasn't getting paid while I was gone. It wasn't that good. But yeah, they definitely you had insurance and they held my spot. Yeah. Awesome. And so you've done a lot of really cool things. And I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of like, well, while I'm already over there, this country's here too, and this country's here too. And then it just turns into a massive itinerary and there's no way around it. How exciting that you embarked on that endeavor. So can you talk to us a little bit more about after that three-month sabbatical, when you came back to work, you liked your job. What changed in your mind from before your trip to after your trip? I didn't like my job. I loved my job. I really did. And I loved the people I worked with. They were amazing. We had so much fun together and it was just a really, really nice job. But you know what? I started seeing people around me in my family and friends group. They were dying. I mean, people that were dropping dead from cancer. I had a nephew that was 22 that died from cancer. I had friends who were getting brain tumors. It was nuts. And at the time I was 55 and I thought, Oh, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I am not waiting till I'm 65, the traditional age, which of course now is going up to 67 or some craziness. And then I'm going to retire. And then what? I'm going to have bad knees or maybe I'm going to have arthritis. And am I going to be able to do these things? I don't think so. So I thought, geez, I just need to make this happen now because in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, if I need to go back to work, I can go back to work when I'm 67 or at 69, or if I even make it to that. I mean, I think you get to a certain age where you realize that, wow, there's no guarantee that tomorrow is going to come for anybody at any age. But certainly, I think once you hit 50, you start going, oh, crap, (laughs) every morning is a gift. And I don't want to throw it away doing what I'm supposed to be doing when I could be doing what I'd rather be doing. 
And so I just thought, screw it. I'm just going to jump and see how it lands. And I can always go back to work. And they pretty much tell me when I walked out the door, your job is here for you in some capacity if you want to come back. Mm -hmm. So I thought, all right, let's do it. Yeah, nothing to lose in that case. It's amazing. So you said you needed to figure things out to see how you could make it work long term. So money from your divorce, what else did you have to figure out to make it sustainable for you? One way that it was sustainable for me, and it remains sustainable for me is I call myself a budget traveler. My daughter tells me I'm cheap. So there's that. (laughs) But I adore staying in hostels. I really do. I think there's so much fun. And to be honest, there's days when I'll get a private room in a hostel because I don't feel like doing the bunk bed situation. And there's days when I'll get an Airbnb or look for something on booking.com just that's cheap and small for myself. But I do that. I travel on local buses. I don't have a driver. I don't have fancy dinners. I don't have expensive clothes. I travel with a backpack. So I do not pay for check bags, which makes me just cringe. I wear the same clothes over and over, which maybe that makes people cringe. (laughs) And I have laundry detergent with me, I promise. But I just kind of, a friend of mine calls it traveling low to the ground. So I travel cheap, I travel local, and I try to get immersed in the culture. I mentioned that I stayed at a Italian villa for a couple months in Tuscany. How did that happen? Workaway. So if you don't know about Workaway, oh my gosh, get on there. You don't have to join initially. So go on, scope around and see what you can find. I have worked in a vineyard in New Zealand. I worked in an orphanage in Nepal and I did some trail maintenance on an island in Greece, the island where Mama Mia was filmed. Thank you very much. (laughs) You couldn't imagine how excited I was. So there's all kinds of ways where you can trade some of your day, five hours a day, five days a week for accommodations and food. And I mean, you can work at a dive shop, you can work in a museum, there's all kinds of things. You can watch people's kids, you can speak English to people at local places, wherever you're traveling, people want to speak English. So there's all kinds of things you can do. You can house sit, you can pet sit. When people tell me, oh, I don't have the money for that, it's like, yes, you do. You don't need big money. You need to be more adventurous and just get out there and do stuff. And it'll happen. Absolutely. Have you tried couch surfing yet? I have couch surfed. I've heard awesome things about that. I haven't tried it yet. I recommend it. So I was on it before the pandemic. And it's good for two reasons. It's good for free accommodation, but they also have meetups. So even if you don't want to stay with a stranger, you can go to a local meetup in the city you're in and meet locals and travelers. And it's a really cool way to connect with people as well. Oh, nice. And house sitting, you just mentioned, I'm house sitting right now. So like there are ways and a lot of times money seems like such an easy barrier. The thing is fear, really. And you can come up with a ton of excuses as to why you can't. But if you truly want it, all those logistics are overcomable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) So you mentioned like when you're traveling for work, it was a more luxurious travel style. Was it an adjustment to going budget or cheap, according to your daughter? I think it was more fun. And here's a prime example. So when I did my very first solo piece. 
I went to Lisbon and I had points for Marriott that I had in my account. And I thought, oh, cool. Well, I'll just go to Portugal and I'll go to Lisbon and oh, yay, I can use points and stay at a hotel for three nights for free. Yay, that'll be fun. So I did that. And Lisbon, if you haven't been, is amazing and beautiful. And after three days, I thought, well, I'm not ready to leave here yet. I still want to do some things, but I don't want to spend, I don't know what it was, $150, $180 a night at the hotel. So I got really, really brave and I booked a hostel for the first time. And it was literally down the street, like, I don't know, one block away from the Marriott. So it's not like it was in a gross neighborhood. It wasn't scary. It wasn't sketchy. It was phenomenal. And in case you don't know, the hostels in Lisbon and in Porto have won the top awards for hostels year after year. So they are amazing, clean, cool, fun, awesome places. So I walked in and I won't kid you, I was scared because I'm not a 22-year-old party chick walking into a hostel, you know, just looking to hang out and, and have fun. I'm looking to hang out and have fun, but I was 55. So I was a little bit nervous and I thought, oh God, are people just going to be like, what is she doing here? And you know what? I walked in and they were like, oh, hey, you're here. Awesome. Come on in. We'll check, you know, we'll register you. Here you go. Hey, do you want a free drink? It's sangria night. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and I ended up meeting about five people that day. We went on a free walking tour the next day. We went to Sintra together as a group out of the hostel. We signed up to do a tour. And I am still friends with those people to this day, okay? And one of the guys was 24 years old. And he and I just, I don't know what it was. We just clicked. We had so much fun together. And I actually stayed at his house with my French boyfriend in New Zealand for his sister's wedding. We were in New Zealand at the time. And he was like, oh, my God, come over to my house. You got to meet my family. I walked in and his mom was like, you're Cindy. Oh, my God, we've heard so much about you. So those are the kind of things that are just priceless. And I guarantee you do not get that at the Marriott. You just don't. A hundred percent. This is so good. That's such a good story. And age is just a number and like any reservations you have are probably in your own head and it's not what other people are thinking. I so often see in like the Facebook groups, people being like, I'm 30. Am I too old for a hostel? And no, the answer is no. <laughs> no, I've seen families in hostels. I've seen single people of all ages. I've seen groups of people of all ages. And it's just a really it's a great equalizer. Like everybody's trying to have a good time. Everybody's new there. Everybody's trying to have a great experience and everybody just bonds together. And you're talking about what did you do yesterday? Where did you go? And where can we all go tomorrow? And what's to do? And you'll find out, I found out really great places to go to that I had never heard of. You know, when I was in Nepal, someone was like, oh, are you going to Pokhara? I was like, I don't know. What's Pokhara? <laughs> I Google it. I'm like, oh, sure. I'll go to Pokhara. Same thing happened in Morocco. I posted something on Facebook about Morocco and a friend of mine was like, oh, you need to go to Shepshawan. I was like, what is that? And again, you Google it and you go, damn, that's beautiful. I'm going. Absolutely. And so you don't get that at the Marriott. Totally. It's that travel blessing and curse where like your list keeps getting longer and longer of places you want to visit. Absolutely. So your kids, are they supportive? What do they think about mom's travels? Thank goodness they are super supportive. I would be really 
heartbroken if they were guilting me about anything. Because I do that enough on my own. Thank you very much. But they have been amazing. I will pop back home to Colorado and visit with everybody, you know, a couple times a year. And they might be having a party or something. And someone will come up to me and go, oh, my God, are you Brendan's mom? You are a badass. I've heard all about you. And you have a camper van. And, oh, my God, tell me about, you know, Madagascar. And it's like, oh, wait, what? And so they're clearly talking about me to their friends and they're super stoked about it. And some of their friends are following me on Instagram. And so it's really, really something. Their friends will tell me, oh my gosh, I wish my mom would do this. Or can you talk to my dad? Like he's just too afraid to go anywhere. And he needs someone to tell him that it's it's not dangerous out there and that it's fun. You know, my mom and dad just sit at home and don't do anything. And you are really amazing and you're out there living it. So it's been really nice to get that kind of support from my kids. And they try to meet me along the way, but, you know, they've got jobs now and significant others and stuff that they have to do. And so they're not able to travel as freely as I would like them to be. (laughs) (laughs) They're not as free as you are at this point, but. Oh, wait a minute. You guys are all working. What the heck? (laughs) What would you recommend as maybe a couple of destinations for a first-time solo female traveler and why? I think a lot of people are more comfortable going somewhere where English is the primary language if that's what they speak. So if that's your jam and you're a little bit nervous about going somewhere where people don't speak English, let me come back to that because that is a myth. I would say go to somewhere like Ireland, you know, or Scotland. I mean, they call it English. It's still a little bit hard to understand. But at least the signs are in English and you'll be feeling more comfortable about that piece of it. And you can still have an amazing adventure, of course. I think Cyprus is a really easy country to travel around in. I loved it. People were super friendly. It was inexpensive. The food was amazing. And again, everything's in English. It was not difficult at all. I know you are going to Sri Lanka soon. And I just got back from there and I was shocked. I think. Everybody spoke English. The signs were in English. It was like, wait, what? This is too easy for me. I can't believe it. Another really good place to go if you're worried about the language is New Zealand and Australia, because again, it's pretty much all English. Awesome. And then talk more about non-native English speaking countries. What have your experiences been when English is less common or harder to come by? Oh my gosh. I've been to places like Georgia, where the alphabet isn't even our alphabet. I've been to Turkey. I've been to Madagascar. I've been to Morocco, to Vietnam. None of those places necessarily speak English. But you know what? There's a thing that you carry around with you pretty much 24-7. It's called your phone. And there's a product on there, an app that you can put on called Google Translate. And I've had the most fun discussions with people just talking into my phone in English and having it translate to Turkish, handing it to them, they read it, and then they start laughing and they answer me back on their phone, on their app, and hand it back to me. And you go back and forth and it's not perfect. So there's mix-ups where you're like, oh God, that's not what I meant. But it's fun. You do charades if your phone isn't working and or if you don't have Wi-Fi at the moment, you point at things, you laugh. And I think you forget what power a smile has. Just to smile and say thank you and learn how to say a couple of things in wherever you're going's language. As I mentioned, I went to Georgia. I learned how to say, 
hello, goodbye, thank you, check, please, and bathroom. You know, what you need any country you go to. And if you can say those things, even if you say them incorrectly or sort of like a toddler, people are happy and they are so pleased that you took the effort to learn how to say thank you in Thai or hello in Vietnamese or you're welcome. They're just very touched that you would take the time and the trouble to learn it. And they'll happily help you through it. Absolutely. Such good points. I know you have amazing stories from your travels. Share with us something memorable that happened, something that would maybe inspire someone to be like, I want to get out there and travel. You know, I always say there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. And so I kind of bounce back and forth between those two things. But I I will say I've never had any real problems. But for example, here's something that happened one time. I was getting on a flight from Singapore to go back to Denver. The flight was delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. Finally, they had us all get off the plane and they sent us to get in line. And I was by myself and I was in line. You know, you're waiting for your vouchers to go to the hotel. And I ended up talking to the guy in front of me and the two guys behind me. And, you know, everybody's just kind of complaining about what are we supposed to do? And I can't believe this is happening. When we get up to the line, the woman says to us at the counter, "Um, I'm going to send you all in a taxi to this hotel. We've got four rooms for you there. Okay, fine. Like, why not? You know, so the three guys and I get in a taxi and go to the hotel and the hotel woman's like, no, I don't have room for you. We don't have any rooms. I don't know what you're talking about. And at this point, we have been waiting for like six or seven hours of just being shuffled around. So she said, go sit down and I'll buy everybody a coffee in the hotel. And in Singapore, a coffee is like $6. So that was nice. (laughs) That's good. So we all kind of sat down and we all start chatting, you know, the four of us. She comes back over it about 20 minutes later. And she says, I have a suggestion for you. Now, just hear me out. I'm like, okay. (laughs) We're all like, what? She said, how would you all feel about sharing a room? (laughs) Okay, so it's like me and three men, right? And she said, I have a room that has three bedrooms. Cindy gets her own room because she's the woman. So she gets the nicest room. Sorry, guys. And you guys, two of you share a room. And then the other one will have another room. What do you all think? She said, I'll give you a minute to think about it. And we all just looked at each other and busted out laughing and went, sure, why not? Why not? So she gave us all dinner vouchers. We all went to the bar and got drinks. Then we went and had dinner. And then we went upstairs to our room, had another drink. And then everybody just went to bed. And in the morning, we took a taxi back to the airport and everybody hugged each other and headed out the door. Well, the funny thing is, I mean, that is funny already, you know, and yeah, you have to kind of just go with the flow and be like, I think this is okay. You know, I'm I'm not feeling any kind of weird vibes like this isn't safe. It seems totally fine. And everybody was lovely. When I got home, I looked up the hotel rate for that Singapore room that we were in, and it was $3,000 a night. (laughs) I'm staying in the presidential suite. Wow. Yeah, you would have been kicking yourself if you said no. (laughs) Right? I was like, well, this is maybe a little bit nicer than a hostel. Okay. Wow. So it was really fun. And we took pictures and stayed in touch for a while after that. And, you know, it was great. What I always tell people is the mishaps are the stories. That's exactly what I was just going to say. I'm like, I asked you to tell me something memorable. And you told me about a time your flight was so delayed that you had to stay over in the city. Like, how good is that? Right. I love it. 
Because I, if you said, tell me a good story, it would not be a good story if I said to you, so I was coming home from Singapore to Denver and I got on the plane and went home. <laughs> okay, not even a story. But when things go sideways and they don't go badly, they just go differently. You have to be able to go with the flow when you're doing that kind of travel, I think, you know? Absolutely. And that's where like the excitement lies and you never know what's going to happen. And that is also exciting. Yeah, for sure. And then you make connections with people that you may not have ever been connected with before, you know, all of a sudden got new best friends. Totally. And would you be willing to talk more about your French boyfriend and how you met? Of course. Okay. (laughs) I feel like this is going to be a good story. (laughs) It's a good story. It is for sure. So I was in Pokhara. So I was in Nepal and I had gone to Kathmandu and I had done a trek there and it was fabulous. And then again, somebody said to me, oh, you should go to Pokhara. And I was like, okay, sure. So I got on a bus and I went to Pokhara and I was using Tinder a little bit while I was traveling. And the nice thing about it was I was meeting people who were also traveling. So it was kind of fun to connect with people who were also doing what I was doing because they're kind of few and far between, you know? So I met a really nice guy from Canada when I was in Vietnam and we hung out for a couple of days and I met, I don't know, I met a lot of nice people. So I'm sitting in Nepal in Pokhara at the lake having a beer and I'm on Tinder and I swipe and match with some guy and he matches with me like two seconds later. I was like, whoa, okay. So he messages me and says, well, you know, where are you? And I told him where I was and he said, oh, okay, I'll see you in about 10 minutes. And I went, whoa. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is not all. <laughs> because I had been power dating in Denver that one year when I was getting ready to start traveling overseas. And no, you know how it is, or maybe you don't. Hopefully you don't. But <laughs> you talk, you talk, you talk, yeah, blah, blah. And then they ghost you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was hilarious that he was like, I'll see you in 10 minutes. And I thought, oh, shit. Like, I don't even have makeup on. I was just hiking. Oh, whatever. I don't care. So he walks up and we had a beer together and he said, do you want to get dinner later tonight? You know, I could meet you at such and such a restaurant. I was like, okay, sure. And that was it. We went for dinner. And then the next day he said, hey, I can rent a motorcycle. We can drive around if you want. I was like, okay, sure. Why not? The fun thing is he had been to Pokhara so many times and he would go and live there for like three to four to five months at a time because he's a paraglider. As a paragliding business in France, where he is a tandem paraglide pilot and he takes people up and that's his job. When the season ends in France, like in October, when it starts getting cold, he would pack up his gliders and his harness and take off for places where he could paraglide full time for himself, not with customers now. It would just be for fun. So Pokhara is one of like five places on the planet that has incredibly amazing conditions for paragliding all the time. So I was in poker and I was going to paraglide anyway. You know, I had already signed up for a flight with a Nepalese company and a Nepalese pilot. And so when I met this guy, he was like, oh, well, I'm flying tomorrow too. Maybe I'll see you and whatever. So we started talking. And when I was leaving after a couple of days, you know, I said, hey, do you want to stay in touch? And he said, yeah, I guess so. Like, I'm not very good at staying in touch online and stuff, but we'll see. Well, he was a liar because I think we have maybe like six days of not saying at least hello or, hey, have a great day today in five years. So we've been together for five years now. Wow. Congratulations. And 
great story and very hopeful, actually. <laughs> you know, it was crazy because we travel the same way. We like to do the same things. He's up for anything. He is busy doing his work from about May to October. So that's usually when I travel solo or visit my kids and stuff. And then, you know, he'll message me and be like, hey, do you feel like going to Turkey in November? Okay, sure. Why not? And so then I'll just meet him in Turkey for like a month or two and we'll hang out there and then I'll go do something else. He'll go do something else. And then we'll meet up again, maybe in February. So we give each other space and time and he travels solo and I travel solo and then we travel together and it's been amazing. It's been wonderful. That sounds awesome. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Very cool. Can you share a little bit about what you've learned along the way about yourself? about people in general? What I've learned is, I mean, I've always been really self-sufficient. I'm the oldest of four daughters and grew up in, of course, a dysfunctional family, didn't we all? And so being the eldest and then being married to someone and being codependent and having four kids. And I mean, I've kind of made everything work and I've been the person driving the bus the whole time. And so for me to be a solo traveler has not been that big of a deal because, oh my God, it's been easy just to drive me instead of four or five extra people who don't contribute much in the way of planning. So I think solo travel has taught me that I can do it, that I can figure it out. I mean, let's be honest, there's been days when I've sat down and cried when I've just been so frustrated or tired or just at my wits end as to what to do next or how to get there. Or, oh my gosh, I was trying to get on this bus, but the bus isn't running and I can't find it. And what do I do next? And, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've had to just take a deep breath and figure it out. And I do, I figure it out. You end up asking for help or using the Google or just kind of, you know, making it happen. So I think one of the things that I've learned is that I can do it. I can make things happen. I can figure it out and I can make it more amazing than I even thought it was going to be. Another thing I figured out is, and you and I were talking about this before we started, just kind of being open-ended. And I've always been a planner, but when you have a two-week vacation with four kids, you have to be pretty planned. You can't just show up. So for me to be able to just kind of say like, Chef Shawin, okay, what's that? And then figure out, oh, there's a bus that goes tomorrow and it's $3. Why not? has been so freeing and so fun and so magical to just go where the wind blows and end up, you know, Cyprus. I didn't plan on going to Cyprus, but we had been in Georgia, the Frenchman and I, and it was cold and he needed to go where he was going. And I was like, well, I want to go somewhere warm. So I started Googling temperatures. I was like, oh, Cyprus looks good. Let's go there. So I went to Cyprus for a month by myself. And to just have that thought and then be able to make that thought be a plan and then to make that plan be something that you're actually doing has been really powerful and empowering. And I think if anyone out there is listening to this and is frightened by stepping out there and doing these things, the stuff will come to you. You can't just sit there. I mean, you have to make some of the movements and and try to get some of the things figured out, but all of a sudden things will start falling into place really seamlessly. And all of a sudden you'll be going somewhere and you'll be in a hot air balloon in Cappadocia and going, how the hell did I pull this off? How did that happen? Does this really happen? Is this really my life? And you know what? It can be. Absolutely. You have to have a little bit of faith 
and believe in yourself and an extra credit card in your back pocket in case you your other one gets lost. But honestly, it's not that difficult. It makes me wonder how people traveled 25 years ago when they didn't have smartphones, you know, and everybody had a paper map and a, a regular camera around their neck. So we couldn't have it any easier, really. Absolutely. And this is a common theme on this podcast that guests come on here and they're like, it just worked out. And I really, truly believe, and I love to draw attention to it, when you're doing the right thing for you and your life, when you're making aligned decisions, things really do just work out even better than you might have expected. You have to watch for the signs though, too. I think you have to be tuned in to, yep, that looks good. And yep, that feels right. And you also have to notice that, nope, that doesn't feel right. And if something feels not right in your gut, you need to listen to that and change your course. Mm -hmm. Get off of that street or get out of that taxi or get up from the dinner that you're with with somebody that it's not going right and just just leave. Mm -hmm. But you have to just pay attention to the signs. And I think when you travel solo, you can because you don't have all the distractions of everybody else's wants and needs and trying to coordinate everybody's plans. And so if you can just listen to yourself and listen to your heart and listen to your gut, you got it. 100%. What advice would you give to someone who says that they're too old or they don't have enough money or they're making these logistical excuses as to why they can't travel, but they say they want to? I see this all the time. And one thing that breaks my heart is when people say, oh, you're living my dream. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm living my dream. You go live your dream. Get up off your butt and go do it. Stop saying you oh, I can't. Oh, I wish I could. Oh, that must be nice. I've given up a lot of things, tangible things like stuff that I got rid of and sold. And I don't have high heels anymore. I don't have fancy clothes. I have a backpack with mostly black clothes in it. So I've given up some things that maybe some people aren't comfortable doing. And you know what? If you don't want to stay in a hostel, that's totally fine. You can stay in inexpensive accommodations. You can do the workaway type of things. Don't say that money is the object. One thing that I do, and I still have my apartment back in Denver, I rent out my apartment while I'm gone. So I make money from my apartment to help me pay to travel and sleep somewhere else. You just have to be creative. You know, don't stay in the box. Don't think that because nobody else is doing it that you know of, that it can't be done. Because guess what? There's tons of people doing crazy things out there teaching English as, as a second language in Thailand. They are being motorbike tour guides in Myanmar. I mean, people are doing stuff. And to sit at home, wherever your home is, and say, oh, I wish I could do that, is a cop-out. Plain and simple. It's a cop-out. It's because you, maybe you're not ready to do it. So I would say put away your preconceived ideas of what travel has to look like and step away from the $150 a night hotels and the planned tours and figure it out on your own. You know, maybe do it in baby steps. Maybe just go to go to Chicago for a long weekend or go to New York City and just give it a shot and try it and you'll be surprised how much you can accomplish just using your own resources and following your heart. I love it. Thank you. And Cindy, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? I have a Instagram, of course, I had to do that, <laughs> and a Facebook page. And those are called Posts from a Flash Packer. 
And in case you're wondering what a flash packer is, it's a backpacker with a little bit more resources. So if I don't want to take the $3 local bus and I want to take a taxi for $10, I can do that. That's what a flash packer is. It's just a little bit like one step above bare bones backpacking. And I also write a blog by the same name, Post from a Flash Packer. And I've written some articles for some publications and stuff. So I think if you Google my name, you'll find out, you know, you'll see different places that I'm appearing. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And those are all linked in the show notes as well. So you can check it out there. Cindy, thank you so much for being here. Do you have any parting words of advice or tips or anything else you'd like to share before we close out for today? Yeah. Two of my favorite sayings are, you're not a tree, you can move. The other one is, if not now, when? Mm -hmm. Guess what? Today's the youngest you're ever going to be. And that really can throw you if you stop to think about it for a minute. So you need to get out there and do the stuff you want to do because you don't know how many days left you have, how many months, how many years. And do you want to sit around wondering or do you want to get out there and do some things that will just totally change your life? Absolutely. I think those are the perfect notes to end on. So thank you so much for being here. You are totally an inspiration. You have the best energy. And I know you've definitely inspired some people here today. So thank you for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's like my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) Amazing. Everyone else, I will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.